Welcome back to Two Crows Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Holmes. Yes, that Tyler Holmes. The mildly famous TikTok star who started a TikTok because she was diagnosed with autism and her therapist said that she should. So I cosplayed until I figured out who I am, which I still don't really know, but we'll see if it ever happens. Honestly, it is helping. Being able to try out different characters and see what pieces feel right and what pieces don't is a huge part of me and also figuring out the twisted ways that you can make a character more yourself or bring a little bit of you into that character really helps me figure out what is a mask and what isn't as part of me and it's weird that putting on a mask can make you figure out what you really are underneath all of your social masks which I, this isn't what this podcast was supposed to be today, but it's what it's going to be for a minute. Before I was diagnosed and I was misdiagnosed with a lot of different things throughout my teenage years and early adulthood, I went to therapy and was taught how to socially mask better to fit in instead of figuring out who I really am and how to incorporate that into social situations. How to not be ashamed of my own likes, dislikes, collections, how to get into groups of people that actually enjoy the same things as me and think in similar or different ways that fit really well together. That wasn't at all part of the therapy plan until I was diagnosed and I went to a therapist that actually understood autism and why we do have certain social masks that we do need to use and they are tools for us to work or talk to people on the phone and make people realize how we really feel and that we understand how they feel, which a guest that is going to be coming on soon for Frightening Frauen is really good at explaining this of why we actually do need social masks, whether you are neurodivergent or not, and why we do use them. But it's exhausting to wear that mask, and so being able to have a group of friends or places in your own home that you feel like you can be just yourself and not feel judged for that is also very important. And figure out who that is, is a very, very big part of that. So yay, we talked about that. Next up, we did a little bit of a poll on Patreon where you were deciding which cryptids I would do next. And this was not a Patreon post that just my patrons could see. It's one that all of you can see. And I'll be posting a new one here shortly. I think I'm going to do them every week and you'll be able to go on there and vote. And Ohio won! Yay! Ohio is not a real state though. I just want to let you guys know Ohio does not actually exist. It is a part of the matrix and no one who's been there has actually ever really been there. It's just a figment of your imagination where unicorns live. And lots of corn and soybeans. Shout out to my soy zoy. Woo! Inside joke with no one who will understand that except for that one person listening. All right, so let's go into Ohio cryptids. All right, let's get into the, uh, the cryptid voice. Okay. <clears throat> First on our agenda is the Loveland Frogman. In Loveland, Ohio, a four-foot frog roams the marshes on its hind legs. At least, that's what local legend claims. 
It's a tale that dates back to the 1950s when a businessman claimed he saw multiple bipedal frogs along Little Miami River. The Loveland Frogman was allegedly spotted most recently in 2016. Sam Jacobs said he was playing Pokemon Go in the mid-August of 2016. He was near Congression Beth Adams Synagogue on Loveland Madeira Road. Jacobs said he had crossed train tracks to the bank of Lake Isabella when he spotted something strange. We saw a huge frog near the water, not in the game. This was an actual giant frog, Jacob told WLWT. When the thing stood up and walked on its hind legs, I realized this sounds crazy, but I swear on my grandmother's grave, this is truth. Jacobs claimed the frog stood around four feet tall, sending dark photos of the creature to support his claim. I saw the photos, and you cannot tell how big this frog is. Not to put a damper on it or anything, but the photos this guy took are a little interesting. I'm not saying I don't believe him. I'm just saying that the photos are weird and he probably shouldn't have sent them. Jacobs said he doesn't know what to think of his sighting. Not sure if it was a frogman or just a giant frog, he said. Either way, I've never seen anything like it. The legend of the frogman has hung around Loveland for decades and has quite the cult following. What do you think? Do you believe in the Loveland frogman? When diving into this, I also found some police reports of the frogman. They've also been called the lizard man and just the frog. And heck, with all the things thrown into the water in Ohio, I'm sure there are some crazy creatures out there. If Ohio existed, of course. On March 3rd, 1972, at 1 a.m., Loveland police officer Ray Shockey was driving on Riverside Drive near the Totes Boot Factory and the Little Miami River when an unidentified animal scurried across the road in front of his vehicle. The animal was fully illuminated in his vehicle's headlights, and he described it as three or four feet long and about 50 to 75 pounds with leathery skin. He reported spotting the animal crouched like a frog before it momentarily stood erect to climb over the guardrail and back down towards the river. Two weeks after the incident, a second Loveland police officer, Mark Matthews, reported seeing an unidentified animal crouched along the road in the same vicinity as Shockey's site. Matthews shot the animal, recovered the body, and put it in his trunk to show Officer Shockey. According to Matthews, it was a large iguana, about 3 or 3.5 feet, and he didn't immediately recognize it because it was missing his tail. This just turned into a very sad story. Matthews speculated the iguana had been someone's pet that either got loose or was released when it grew too large. According to Matthews, Shockey was shown the dead iguana and confirmed it was the animal he had seen two weeks previously. Matthews recounted the incident to an author of a book about urban legends, but says the author omitted the part that confirmed the creature was an iguana rather than a frogman. Although I would say that it is quite fascinating that the same sightings have been happening since the 50s all the way up to 2016, and I doubt that all of them were the same iguana. Next on our list 
is the Pukwudgie. I looked up how to pronounce this, so if it's wrong, blame the internet. According to legend, Pukwudgies can appear and disappear at will, shapeshift, of which the most common form is a creature that looks like a porcupine from the back and a half-troll, half-human from the front and walks upright, lures people to their deaths, uses magic, launches poison arrows, and creates fire. This sounds more than a little terrifying to me. What about you? Local natives believed that Pukwudgies were once friendly to humans, but then turned against them and are best left alone. According to lore, a person who annoyed a Pukwudgie would be subject to nasty tricks by it or subject to being followed by the Pukwudgie, who would cause trouble for them. Kind of like the bad luck of a mirror. They have also been known to kidnap people, push them off cliffs, attack their victims with short knives and spears, and use sand to bind their victims. How are they using sand? I have no idea, because I don't think it actually describes that in here, but I may be corrected. Pukwudgies are said to be enemies of culture heroes. The Mashop and Granny Squanit. The Mashup is a mythical hero and giant from folklore. He is said to have several companions, including a giant frog and his wife, Granny Squanit. I had to look up who they were, but apparently they are the bane to the Pukwudgie's existence. One story from folklore explains that they began causing mischief and tormenting the natives out of jealousy of the devotion and affection the natives had for the mashup. She eventually exiled them to a different part of North America. The Pukwudgies have since been hostile to humans and took revenge by killing mashup's five sons. Some variations even suggest that they killed mashup himself so sad. Jealousy is never the answer. Do not give in to those jealous urges, guys. The Pukwudgie was voted one of the top 10 cryptids to stay away from. Therefore, there have not been a lot of sightings that I can find. Seems most that see them end up kidnapped and killed, which doesn't sound super fun. I'd like to be able to live to tell the story about a cryptid that I've seen. So I'll let you know if I see one when I'm passing through the matrix. All right, next on our list is the Ohio Grassman. Gosh, Ohio seems to have a lot of cryptid activity. Maybe I should pretend that it exists and go there. Among persistent legends of the paranormal, the Ohio Grassman, also known as the Minerva Monster, has been linked via popular media to Ohio and, to some extent, Perry County. The Grassman is said to be a cryptid, a creature greatly resembling Bigfoot. Some suggest it is a subspecies of a broader Bigfoot species, while others say it's just Ohio's one and only Bigfoot creature. There have been many different reports of its appearance. Many describe it as a 5 to 10 foot tall, 300 to 1,000 pound creature emitting a terrible odor. He is said to have long black hair and bright orange eyes. While there isn't much that differentiates it from Bigfoot, it has earned the specific name Grassman 
from the large dens it supposedly makes out of grass and from its diet, which reportedly consists mainly of tall grass from Ohio fields. Perhaps the most famous encounter with the grassman in Minerva, Ohio, was a series of events that inspired multiple documentaries and online articles. According to legend, in 1978, the Clayton family was terrorized by an unknown creature. The cryptid wiki describes how the grandchildren of Evelyn and Howie Clayton ran into their home screaming about a monster. Going out to investigate, Evelyn and Howie saw what the children had described. They claimed to have seen a giant hair-covered beast around seven feet tall and 300 pounds by a gravel pit, pawing through some trash. Upon seeing the beast, the Clayton family fled their home. This wasn't the last time they'd encountered Orange Eyes, which the Grassman is also nicknamed in that area. They were to have multiple encounters with it. If the stories were to be believed, it would essentially stalk them in their home, looking at them through their kitchen window and from nearby hills. Police at this point were also involved in the investigation, and many didn't think it was a hoax, witnessing a lot of the events themselves. Most interestingly, in some later encounters, it was said that the witnesses saw multiple grassmen spontaneously, of varying sizes, supposedly confirming there was more than one grassman and that they could be deemed a social species. Sounds kind of like there's a family out there that we shouldn't be messing with. These encounters attracted mass media attention and spawned multiple articles and myths surrounding the Grassman. According to an article written by Ed Ballant, a Canton respiratory staff writer, the Caton family was bombarded with attention following the event. In the article, Herbert Clayton recalled, one day, there were 100 to 150 cars in my driveway, on my lawn, and lining both side roads. This attention made my family shy away from further publicity related to the grass man. Evelyn and Howie Caton, now deceased, stuck to their story and others still living who claim to have witnessed the early encounters haven't altered their accounts either. The outpouring of media spawned from the Caton encounter and many others after it has made it hard to find definitive information about the Grassman. For example, in some articles, the Grassman is described as peaceful, having never truly bothered the Caton family. However, in others, it's described as one of the most dangerous and aggressive Bigfoot species and is rumored to have killed their dog days after their first encounter. Sightings continue to be reported frequently, with some attracting enough attention to be featured in local news articles. Organizations and events have popped up featuring discoveries about anything Sasquatch. Most recently at Salt Fork State Park in eastern Ohio, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference was held from April 19th through May 1st, featuring many Bigfoot experts talking about sightings and more. 
a friend of mine likes going to the Bigfoot Festival over there, and I find it absolutely fascinating. Hi, Jax. So all my lovely Ohioans out there, have you encountered the grass man? Send me in your stories and I will read them on here. I didn't know that Ohio had its very own Mothman. Or heck, maybe it's the same Mothman and he just vacations in Ohio. Because when I think Mothman, I think West Virginia, which is kind of why I put West Virginia on the list. But hey, we get to talk about him anyway. Just across the Ohio River lurks a mystery that has gripped the town of Point Pleasant and its neighbors on both sides of their watery boundary. Nearly 50 years ago, on November 12, 1966, five men digging a grave in rural West Virginia claim they saw a large man-like flying creature that descended from the trees and flew over their heads into the night. This was credited as the first sighting of the Mothman, the Mothman's original streak of terror launched in the small town of Point Pleasant into the national spotlight as people from around the country flooded to the town to learn more about the Mothman prophecies. For years now, there has been a Mothman festival that takes place in this town, bringing in thousands of people every year to hear about the tale. John Keel, a writer, was one of the key figures in popularizing this tale in his book, The Mothman Prophecies, which documents his personal attempt to locate the elusive creature and offer an explanation for the Silver Bridge's sudden collapse. Keel, an avid UFO hunter of other mysterious events, claimed the Mothman and the UFO spotted in the area were connected in some way. However, in 1971, the cause of the bridge's failure was determined to be structural and led to a host of renovations of the bridges spanning Ohio River. Keel was the most prolific of writers to study the Mothman, but died in 2009 after his book had been brought to silver screen in 2001. Mothman Prophecies film that starred Richard Gere. In Athens, Ohio, a reporter of the Athens Messenger, Mary Heyer, had several strange incidents relating to the Mothman. Heyer is credited with being one of the first reporters to cover the Mothman story and would later join with John Keel to investigate the strange reports coming out of this small town. In January of 1967, Heyer was working late in her office when a short man with odd eyes covered by thick glasses and a black mop upon his head, in the fashion of a bowl cut, asked Heyer for her circulation manager for directions to Welsh, West Virginia. The man became increasingly more awkward as their conversation progressed, leaving mid-conversation after stealing a pen. He laughed maniacally as he exited the building. 
Hire swears she saw this man in Athens, jumping into a black van and disappearing seemingly out of nowhere. Later on, she would also hear rumors that men in black, yes, those men in black, they were going to witnesses to get them to stop spreading the Mothman tale. Hyer, still reported in Athens, was approached again by a stranger asking not about the bridge or the disaster itself, but about the reported UFO sighting that happened shortly before the bridge collapsed. This man reportedly visited several witnesses concerning the UFO sightings, claiming to be from Cambridge, Ohio. However, some witnesses claimed this man didn't know the location of Columbus, despite the two areas being relatively close in proximity. Southeast Ohio reports supposedly the Mothman makes his lair in the depths of the McClintic Wildlife Management Area, known to the locals as the TNT Area. Due to it being a decommissioned West Virginia ordinance works that covered a large area of the McClintic and surrounded Mason County. Throughout the woods, hills, and streams that cover this expanse of nearly three and a half thousand acre preserve, some of the old factory and its explosive products still remain. After World War II, the ammunition factory was decommissioned and parceled off to help other ventures in the country, such as Wildlife Preserve at McClintic and the county's airport. Then, in November of 1966, the remains of the factory would become host to something strange. So he does live in West Virginia, but vacations in Ohio, got it. I guess we can't expect cryptids to know what boundaries of a state are. On the West Virginia side of the river, three days after the incident with the gravediggers, two couples were driving near the TNT factory late at night, where they encountered the creature. The couples supposedly saw two red orbs coming from the open factory and a pair of wings on a figure of nearly seven feet tall. Frightened, the couple drove off into the night to avoid the creature. The creature took flight, following the cars as they sped down the highway. The creature was spotted three other times that evening alone in the same area. Most of the old factory is gone, demolished, or abandoned. What's left is slowly being reclaimed as the forest buries the bunkers, some still filled with arms beneath the trees. Some of these bunkers have been ransacked by the government, Park officials, or whomever was in charge of disposing these munitions, leaving the perfect lair for the prophetic creature of doom. This is a chilling thought considering one of these bunkers exploded in 2010. Whether the Mothman is behind the detonation remains unknown. Of course the government would love to cop out on a cryptid. We all know it was your negligence. Don't be pulling the Mothman into this. These original accounts of a large flying creature swooping out of the night sky to terrify many seem harmless and unworthy of attention. The Mothman was seen around southeast Ohio and southwest West Virginia, 
for the better part of a year after the incidents in November 15th made headlines of the local papers, most of which were seemingly nothing more than nonsensical hysteria. Much of the area that the Mothman inhabited has been lost to government efforts to demolish the TNT area. A new bridge has been erected, further distancing the area from what it originally was when the Mothman was making headlines. The arms that once were made here have slowly been taking a toll on the environment as they degrade like many of the locations the creature supposedly inhabited. Having since been torn down or lost to time, however, the vast expanse of bunkers, most of which are not privately owned and can be explored, remain. Many are emptied, sealed, or treacherously secluded by swamps or other unfriendly terrain. I do want to go to this location. I do want to explore the bunkers that are allowed to be explored and have been cleared. I want to see the location of which the Mothman has made home. I will be making a podcast from this location, and that is why I'm getting a GoPro. Most of the Mothman encounters that I have discovered online have been from West Virginia, so I'm glad that I found some from Ohio. I think we'll dive even deeper into the Mothman when I do West Virginia. As per usual, if you have your own stories or suggestions, my email inbox is always open to you. TylerHolmes89 at gmail.com. I'll link that in the description. I also want to thank everyone who participated in the poll in order to bring these specific cryptids to you today. Watch out for the next one that I will be posting here shortly. And you do not have to be a paying patron in order to vote on my polls. But your patronage does help keep this podcast running. And I super appreciate everyone who has contributed. I have eight patrons right now. And without you guys, I wouldn't be able to do this. So if you think that this podcast is worth sharing, please share it. Give it a like, subscribe. That helps us a ton. Thanks for coming to the Crow's Nest. Crow out.